What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. We are continuing our Wednesday positional profiles. We've gotten through a lot. If you want to catch up on what we're doing, you can go to my Twitter account at Kent underscore Swanson. I've given you a, a list of, of, you know, kind of a recap of all of our, our, our previous position profiles. We're going to do the defensive ends today. Um, here to help me talk about the defensive ends. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty well, Kent. Daylight savings is catching up to me. We're a couple days in now, and I just, all I want to do is just fall back to the real time and, uh, yeah, so I'm gonna drag. We're gonna power through this one, but this daylight saving stuff—it's for the birds. Well, how do you think about this, Craig? I know when you invented this, you know, 500 years ago, that you thought this he was, was a good part idea. of the key legislation. He was part of the key legislation, weren't you, Craig? You know what? I just love talking to Kent and Matt. So much of my time is spent devoted talking to these two. This never gets old, guys. Ever, ever. Speaking ever. of old. <laughs> oh. Um, if you, uh, speaking of old, this has nothing to do with being old, but if you like the show, if you like what we're doing, uh, if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, please feel free to subscribe, hit that subscribe button. If you like us even more than that, leave a five-star review. We love those. We try to answer those on the Monday mailbag show. Um, also if you are excited about draft season as much as we are, uh, we've got something for you. The KC draft guide championship edition uh, we are taking pre-orders right now. It's going to be launching, I believe, on April 6th. We are really, really getting close to being done with this bad boy, and we could not be excited. It's months and months and months months of hard work um, behind the scenes, even during the Chiefs season. So uh, go to gum.co slash, or ca- slash KC Draft Guide 2020. Promo code LIVE gets it for you, gets it for $8.54 to celebrate Super, 50, Super Bowl 54. All right. Time to talk about the defensive ends. Uh, we, we're going to go ahead and... What we do on this show is we look at the 2019 Chiefs in the first half of the show. The second half, we look ahead to the future. So we start with kind of a review of the season. The 2019 Chiefs defensive ends. Gregory, how did they do? Frankly, they did pretty well. Frank Clark was brought in. He made a major difference. Frankly, <laughs> frankly, frankly, they did well. Uh, Alex Okafor was all, uh, all right. But Emmanuel Ogba, they got arguably the best year out of Ogba's career for Eric Murray, of all people. Still the greatest trade that, that Brett Veach has ever done. And then they got a lot out of Tano Passigno as well, getting Terrell Suggs there. They really did get a lot of good production out of the defensive ends this year. Yeah, and that was probably one of the biggest kind of, not surprises coming in, but it was a position that had a little bit of, it, there was in flux when you came in. You got rid of a Justin Houston, D Ford, good players, D Ford coming off an amazing year. Justin Houston has had amazing years in the past, fan favorite. You trade a lot of draft capital to get Frank Clark. You pay him a lot of money. You then also pay Alex Okafor to come in, make a trade for him. They completely overhauled the position. And they got a lot better defensive end. Let's be honest, <laughs> yeah. especially for what Steve Spagnuolo wanted to do. This group of guys was significantly better than what they would have had last year if they put those same guys out on the field and tried to do the same thing. These these guys all play very similar, which makes them work well together. They understood the defense and their roles, and you could just see it in a play-by-play basis. It's a very execution-based scheme. The defensive ends were very good at it, and then when time came – when he felt good, Frank Clark was the absolute terror that they thought they were paying for. <laughs> Think about this group like late March. There's no Frank Clark. 
I don't even think there was an Emmanuel Ogba there yet. Like, I think we were all just like probably stressed about the defensive end position because they'd moved on from, you know, D Ford and they'd moved on from Frank Clark. Actually, I don't know if they'd moved on from D Ford yet, but yes, point yes, remains. they had. We were Did talking had- a lot about Montez Sweat at this point. <laughs> Oh boy, that feels like forever. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got to be you've got to be really satisfied. And there was definitely some growing pains for this group early, especially you know with Frank Clark having you know to to battle through some injuries. But uh, yeah, no, I felt pretty good overall about this group. Uh, The biggest surprise, Maddie. I think the biggest surprise has to be Emmanuel Ogba. He came in, he was pretty much on the way up for the Browns. Like Craig said, he was traded for Eric Murray. Now. You did send Murray back to the guy that drafted him, so maybe there was a little bit there. They have a pretty good defensive end group there in Cleveland. So like it tri- made sense why they were getting rid of him, but it just it cost the Chiefs nothing to get. It actually saved them a little bit of money, if I remember correctly. And then Emmanuel Agba, I think he was the second best defensive end on this team. That includes Terrell Suggs, Alex Ogafor, Tano Passing. Like he was playing good football. It was in a minor role for most of the time, but he was a good football player. His ability to kick inside on some third downs was really helpful. Steve Spagnuolo loves to do that with his defensive ends. He was quality versus the run. Solid pass rusher getting the favorable looks with Clark and Jones along the line next to him. I think Agua kind of blew me away. I thought there was a little bit left in the tank, but he did so much that like I really enjoyed his play. It sucked that he got hurt before the playoff run. I think I think Og was probably the right move, but like I think we also need to give a little bit of credit to Tano Passanio. Uh because I mean he was a guy that I mean, frankly, I, I think, you know, we all, I was I'm kinda surprised. I think I was kind of surprised they actually made the football team. Uh and it looks like he kinda started to figure some things out late, you know, during training camp and stuff like that. But um he really had a career revitalization because the first couple of years it was not looking good. And now you've got Tano Passanio on a contract year, comfortable in a defensive scheme finally, coming off some production. I think he had two sacks. Was it two sacks in the AFC Championship game? I believe that's right. I believe that's right. Uh, you got some You got some positive indicators there for him. Uh, you know, you've got him next year on a contract year. It's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be good for him next year. Yeah, uh, mine was going to be Tano passing as Well, I, honestly, just uh, we talk all the time about moving guys inside and having them brush those two guys right there that we mentioned Ogba and passing. have thrived rushing from the three tech position. That is the absolute perfect way to use both of those players tano struggled a little bit with you know setting the edge against the run a little bit but frankly they got more out of him than i thought that maybe we'd see in any of the entirety of his career in a chief's uniform so props to you know tano Passigno, brendan daly steve spagnola for getting the most out of that guy all right, biggest disappointment at the edge position. I think you got to go with the guy that they paid a little bit of money to along with Frank Clark. Not quite, not nearly as much as Frank Clark, but they paid a little bit of money to, to Alex Okafor, and he underwhelmed, frankly. Uh, I think he regressed a little bit against the run compared to what we saw to, with him previously with the New Orleans Saints. You really didn't get much out of him as a pass rusher, and then he got hurt for a stretch of the season. Um, it was kind of a wasted year for Alex Okafor. I think he, you know, I think he might have made a couple plays down the stretch before he got hurt. Uh, I think he, did he get hurt again? No, he he went on IR in the middle of the season. Oh uh, yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was just a it was a very underwhelming performance for him on the year. Yeah, but he'd arguably had his best two games of the year right before he went on IR. That's it. It's still that's right. It still wasn't good. Like, yeah, he was still missing some time. You're right, Kent. But then he went on IR there. Mine's Breland Speaks. Like, uh, my goodness. I, 
And we really only had training camp to base it off of, but he he is a three-tech, move him inside. He's too big. I know that Steve Spagnuolo likes these bigger, longer, more powerful edges. He was too big last year. Just move him inside. I, I don't want to see him line up as an edge as a full-time position again. My biggest disappointment is Frank Clark's injury because we had to go half of a year with people doubting how good he was, <laughs> comparing him to D4, Justin Houston, just completely ignoring what was being asked of him, what would be asked of them, how, the difference in play styles. Like just the difference in play styles and what they were asked to do is substantial enough. But then you find out how injured he was, that he's playing through all this stuff that would sideline a lot of football players. Let's be honest, a lot of guys, especially making his money with that guaranteed amount, are not playing. He was. He got back. As he got healthier, he got better. I, we were robbed of Frank Clark having a fully healthy season to see what he could have done with a full 16 games plus the playoffs in this defense. Because I think it would have been a lot more impressive than how imp- – and it was already impressive, but it could have been a lot more impressive if he was 100% all year long. I think he ended the season with 13 sacks if you had the playoffs. So he he definitely made up for it. Um, okay, so reasons for opt. Oh, by the way, Craig, I totally forgot about Breland Speaks. Like, <laughs> that's how disappointing he was. But see, my thing is, he my just, expectations weren't high, so it was guy. It really wasn't that disappointing. But I wanted to but see what look. he was gonna bring as a four-three defensive end. I wanted him to get a shake at it. Now I don't ever want to see it again. <laughs> well, I mean, it was Brett Veach's first pick. I know ever. And then he got suspended for four games. <sighs> okay, let's let's go reasons for optimism moving forward. Frank Clark is going to feel his arms, and Frank Clark is not going <laughs> to spend two weeks in a hospital in the middle of the season. That is enough optimism right there. You get the player that's going that was there at the end of the season and maybe a little bit better version of him. The Chiefs are going to be fine at defensive end. They're going to probably bring back Ogba. They've got Okafor. They've got Tanner Passing. Now, they got a pretty good little rotation. Tim Ward, Demoni Harris. There's lots of reason for optimism, but it starts and ends for me with Frank Clark's health. Tim Ward's season. Tim. Uh, for me, I... I think it's I think it's that Brennan Daly didn't get a new job and he's here next year. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, that man, I think I think he's going to continue to do great things for this for this team for this front, uh, and I, I think the sky's the limit for this group. They can continue to get better, and we'll see if they add some more talent, you know, in the draft or free agency as well. I think you guys talked about him a little bit, and I haven't yet. So this is my perfect spot for Tato Passanio. I think we saw a lot of growth his first year getting a new defensive line coach, a guy that probably fits what he does better. I think Tano's mold is probably a lot better for Steve Spagnola's defensive ends that play through power and length and then can rush from the interior gaps of passing downs. He fits now a lot better than he did with Bob Sutton before. Tano Pasty was a very raw player entering the NFL. He did not have a ton of technique coming from Villanova. He just threw guys around, ran around with a high motor, and was very good at it, but that wasn't like a complete football player. I think we might be seeing him rounding into a full, complete football player of what he's going to be. So he could really step up. He could challenge Ogba. He could challenge Alex Ogle for next year for a guy that's kind of the defensive end opposite of Frank Clark. He does have that ability to kick inside, which is super valuable. I think you might be on the verge of seeing Passanio become a starting level player in the NFL. 
which maybe prices them out of the Chiefs going forward. But at least for next year, that's something you got to be real happy about seeing. All right, let's look at the current 2020 outlook, Maddie. Oh, we said pass now a little bit. We talked about Frank Clark now. Alex Okafor being back and healthy, that's going to be good. I do think that they keep him around, even though I think they could save a little bit of money this year. Or is this one of the years where he would... I know He's not worth cutting by any means, just... He could say he would say some money, but it's I yeah. think it's just and then, worth keeping him this year. They, you have those three guys to start. You get Breland Speaks working in. You get to see Tim Ward, Demoni Harris. Like, I like this group. I think they all very much fit what Steve Spagnuolo wants. I do want to add another younger guy under long-term contract at some point in time, whether in free agency or from the draft, just to get younger blood in there that I think has upper-tier talent. But the group as a whole doesn't really have any holes. They have starters. They have depth. They have guys that are versatile. It's a good group on this team. If Ogba's back, I'm good. Like I, I'm, I'm seriously good. That that's a good little rotation there. Yeah, like Maddie said, if you want to add in another guy there, I'm fine with it because you know you're kind of counting on Tim Ward to maybe rotate in and play some more significant snaps. Who knows if he's ready yet? But I, I'm pretty good overall with this group, and they. All know the scheme. They're all going to be able to walk in and play at the level that Brendan Daly and Steve Spagnuolo want. There's not a whole lot much else that you can ask for them out of those guys. You could line up tomorrow with this group, yeah, unquestionably. I mean, this is probably one of the the, the deeper groups that they have under control for 2020. I mean, and, and I don't think every team in the National Football League can you know, has the same level of control. I mean, there's not very many teams that have the same level of, of controllable players uh, for the 2020 season already. So you've got to feel really good about that. They could go this entire draft without addressing edge and still be fine probably, but I still think they should. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We're going to take a break and we are going to look at the free agent market and the draft at the defensive end position right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are continuing our positional profiles with the defensive ends. We are looking at the free agent side. We're looking ahead to 2020. We're looking at the draft. We're looking at free agency. Uh, we just got done reviewing 19. Let's look to the future. And we got to start with a top-tier free agent as we've done this entire thing. Uh, we're going with Robert Quinn, Maddie. Yeah, and I just want to start off. like Defensive end is one of the positions that I feel the most comfortable trying to project players that Steve Spagnuolo likes. Last offseason, I looked a ton into the kind of players he liked because they seemed when watching film that they were a very specific type. And they are. 
throughout his career as a defensive coordinator, head coach, Steve Spagnuolo has fielded, played for significant snaps, 25 different defensive ends. 19 of those guys have hit the same thresholds in three specific categories, height, weight, arm length. 19 of 25 guys have hit that. Everybody else has only missed or been under his threshold on one of those three categories. Never two. Only one has been every, all 25 players. Like It's very clear to see the type of player Steve Spagnuolo wants. So this is a pretty easy projection for me to make in terms of who to look at in free agency or the draft. All that information is in the KC Draft Guide if you guys want to snag it this year. Last year's edition, you guys that had it got to see last year. This year, it's going to come back updated a little bit better. But our top tier guy, Robert Quinn. Steve Spagnuolo was the head coach of the Rams when they, dra- when they drafted him. So he already has a little bit of a connection there. Robert Quinn fits all three criteria. Height, weight, arm length that Steve Spagnuolo looks for in his defensive ends. I would maybe argue that Robert Quinn plays a little bit more finesse than most other Spags defensive ends, but he fits the athletic thresholds, the measurables. He's had a good resurgence in his career these last two years. That trade really helped him going to Dallas last year. He's been more of a sack artist. He's going to earn a little bit of money, but he fits what they look for. He has the length, and he's been a quality player. Like He's really found a home once he got out of the Rams there after those last few years. Yeah, he, uh, he. I think he had ten and a half sacks on the season. Um, and I, I think we should probably preface this, you know, conversation like we're we've been we've been really consistent about addressing top tier guys and mid tier guys, and then best fits. I highly doubt the Chiefs are spending the money that's going to take to grab Robert Quinn. But if you're looking at one of these top tier guys, if you're looking at them trying to spend a little bit of money there, I think Robert Quinn's the guy that makes the most sense for this football team. And yeah, he's definitely earned another contract because he has kind of revitalized his career a little bit after. Uh, some down years with the Dolphins. Yeah. And the reason why, another reason why maybe they won't target Robert Quinn, he's about to be 30. And we've talked about how Brett Veach doesn't like paying older players more than a year. If Robert Quinn's market isn't super hot, I could definitely see this team coming after him, trying to get a guy like him. He was suspended last year for, you know, it, a a drug that he was taking that was prescribed to him, but he was suspended for a number of games last year after being traded for a six round pick. So his market isn't like sky high, but like Kent said, he produced double digit sacks. He was a terror. He was, he was a problem for defense or for offensive lines to have to handle. I could definitely see him being brought in under Spagnuolo. All right, we're going to go to a mid-tier guy, and that's Shaq Lawson, who was with the Buffalo Bills. You might remember Shaq Lawson from a few you know drafts ago. I believe he was a first-round pick for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think he was in the same draft. I think he might have been the same draft as Reggie Ragland, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and, you know, he's he kind of... All the transitions with Buffalo over the last few years, I don't know if been particularly kind to him in his development, but he kind of showed some signs of life this year. Uh, six and a half sacks on the season. He fits the criteria that Steve Spagnuolo likes. And, you know, you might be able to get some good value out of him. Brett Veach definitely has a draft grade on him, I'm sure. And you know how <laughs> Brett, Brett Veach has been intentional about taking guys that he liked coming out of the draft. If he liked, if he liked Shaq Lawson coming out of the draft, I would not be stunned at all if he gets if he gets a call here trying to trying to bring him into Kansas City. If he likes Shaq Lawson, we got a question earlier this week on the mailbag episode about a move that we think would happen day one of the league year. If he likes Shaq Lawson, guess what, guys? That's one of them right there. I Shaq Lawson didn't start a game last year. He played in fifteen, didn't start. He was used as a situational rusher. 
there's a home for him here. The Chiefs have a lot of these bigger kind of starting defensive end type guys. You know, Shaq Lawson could be brought in off the bench when they kick in some of these defensive ends to three tech, allow Lawson to rush off the edge. That could be where he could really find a home, try to revitalize his career a little bit and advance himself, get a bigger contract, maybe make it a little bit on like a one or two year deal in Kansas City. Shaq Lawson had his highest sack total, tackle total, tackle for loss, QB hurries, pressure. It's all last year in a contract year. So I know that does throw up some red flags for some people. But like Kent said, I think part of it's the constant changing of scheme and where he's playing. And it looked like he was just finally comfortable out there this past year. I do. I think Shaq Lawson might really try to push close to that high tier level in terms of money just because you're going to bet on a young relatively explosive, powerful player. It's like, and also, again, talking about athletic profiles, Shaq Lawson fits two out of the three primary criteria that Steve Spagnuolo looks for, and he just misses that third one. I think he's a guy that would definitely be on the radar. His best athletic comparison on mock draftable, Chris Long, another player that Steve Spagnuolo has played with before. He coached him a long time for the Rams. He's just a guy that fits, even if it's not a perfect fit. He's very close. They've used guys like him in the past, and he's a young player that's still ascending. All right, let's go to the best fit in free agency now for the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're just bringing back Emmanuel Ogba, Maddie. Yeah, I think this is about the easiest one there is. I think he's going to not cost a ton, especially coming off his injury. I would be okay with giving him a one-year kind of prove-it deal. You know, give him a little bit of money because he did play very well for the Chiefs. You don't have to lock him up long-term if you don't want to right now, or if he's willing to do it, by all means, have at it. Because I really liked what I saw out of him for the Chiefs, that inside-outside versatility. He fits what they are looking for. I don't think he's going to break the bank to come back, and he just adds all that extra versatility to a very good group I just think he pushes Alex Okafor and Tano Passio to be better or they don't get to see the field. I would really try to see if I can get a multi-year deal done with Emmanuel Ogba and maybe get two years out of it. If you know, if you can get three, that'd be great. But I would I would push for, you know, maybe trying to get multi-years done on that. I mean, and I think there's a lot of things here for, for Emmanuel Ogba that should draw him to, to Kansas City. You know, he was having a potentially career year before he got hurt. He's got some comfortability. He, you know, the, the, the coaching staff has stayed the same. It's intact for him. I mean, there's a lot of benefit here. Um, and, and maybe he just wants to, you know, a one year prove it. But if that's the case, you're still, you're going to get, you're going to get contract year Emmanuel Ogba out of it too, though. Yeah. Contract year Emmanuel Ogba that knows the system. Because if he goes somewhere else, he takes a one-year deal somewhere else, he's got to learn a new system, he's got to learn a new coaching staff, he's got to really kind of reintegrate himself with everything. He stays here, chances are good that he can push you know, for a starting position, be able to start on the outside opposite Frank Clark. Know that you're going to get one-on-one reps because teams are focusing so much on Frank Clark. He can win more in Kansas City than he can anywhere else. If he takes that one-year deal, he could be looking to cash in big, big, big with that next contract. All right, guys. Do do we think they sign somebody? Yes, absolutely. They have to, and I think that they're going to, and I think it's going to be Emmanuel Agba. Yeah, I'd lean that way right now as well. If it's not Agba, I do think you look at somebody in that one-year prove-it young guy that maybe didn't stick on a team that they liked before, but not an expensive contract. I don't think you're getting Robert Quinn, Shaq Lawson kind of spending, but Emmanuel Agba would be my lead guy as well. All right, let's go ahead and turn around and, and go to the draft. 
Uh, let's go with favorite prospect at defensive end. Doesn't necessarily have to be a fit for the Chiefs. It's our favorite defensive end prospect in this class. Maddie, go. Yeah, I, I wrote about AJ Epinesa recently on Arrowhead Pride, so I won't go into him again. There's an article up on Arrowhead Pride if you want to read about what I think about him. But another guy for me, Julian Aquara, and that name might sound familiar. Steve Spagnuolo coached his brother, Romy Aquara, when he was with the Giants. Julian Aquara is definitely more athletic. Than his brother was. He's a very lean 252 pounds, six foot four, nearly a thir- over 34 inch wingspan. He's a big, long dude that is explosive. He's very high cut, very athletic. The issue with him on film, he kind of struggles to defend the run. He doesn't necessarily play the exact way most Steve Spagnuolo defensive ends do. And maybe this is me being hopeful and kind of relying on the genes or anything. But Romeo Aquara, I remember him coming into the league. He was a late bloomer. He was, I mean, just about nothing in terms of strength or power when he got to the NFL. By his second year, he was exactly what Steve Spagnuolo likes out of that defensive end that kicks inside and outside. I just wonder if you don't get the same kind of boost to Julian Aquara's kind of power. 27 bench reps with over 34 inch arms is really impressive. His athleticism is undeniable. I just see a super high ceiling for a guy that's close enough to what Steve Spagnuolo likes to be very intrigued by what he can do in the NFL. I'm going to go with a guy that's probably a luxury Sam linebacker for the Chiefs. <laughs> that's Kalevon Chason out of... I might be him too. Kalevon Chason out of LSU. We're, we've got a first round grade on Chason. I think he's in our top 15. And this dude is just absolutely ridiculously athletic. And he's one of the most fluid players I've ever seen playing as an outside linebacker. He drops with with unreal ease. Um, he can cover a little bit. He played a little bit of off ball, uh, but he's got an exceptional first step. He might have the best first step in this class. In fact, I, I'm going to go ahead and say he's got the best first step in this class. Um, he's bendy which I've really typically coveted in the past. I'm having to go away from that now that the Chiefs are utilizing these bigger, longer, stiffer defensive ends. But um, I think that the sky's the limit for this kid. And, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of versatility, can be used in a lot of different ways. But I think he's going to develop really nicely as a pass rusher because he's all the athletic traits. He's still a little bit underfined there. Um, and he's got to develop a better pass rush plan. But I think as he gets more time and more opportunities to continue, you know, to develop his craft and, and all that, I think he's going to turn into a, an exceptional player and a really nice chess piece moving forward for somebody. You know, my guy is Alton Robinson out of Syracuse. When we went to the Senior Bowl, that was the first time that I really got eyes on Alton Robinson. I hadn't gotten a chance to watch his tape yet before we went out there. And the first thing that I said when he took his very first rep, I turned to Kent and I went, that's a Spags defensive end. Now, He came in a little short and his arms came in a little short. So he doesn't fit some of that criteria. But the way he plays, the way that he plays with power and leverage, he's got a good long arm and a surprising burst. Uh, Very surprising for a 264-pound dude. He really kind of got after some of the tackles that I watched him, you know, there at the Senior Bowl and then on tape after that. He's actually a much better athlete than you expect out of a, you know, kind of longer power guy. I, I actually really enjoyed watching him. I think that he's going to be a fun guy to kind of project at the next level and see what he can bring. I don't think it'll be the Chiefs because he doesn't fall under those criteria, but I'm going to keep an eye on him through as he gets here in the NFL. All right, let's go and look at the best fit in the draft, and we are going with Jonathan Garvin, Craig. Jonathan Garvin. Garvin hits every single one of Steve Spagnuolo's criteria to a T. 
and he's got a little bit of burst to him. I, he's an athletic guy. I, I, when we're kind of going through all these guys, they kind of get in a little bit of a rut when you get to the middle rounds here. Uh, he actually had a flash of speed. He's got power. He's actually able to corner a little bit more than a lot of these guys typically are. Typically, they're more rigid. He doesn't have great power, but he might be able to set the edge a little bit more with a little bit more NFL strength, you know, after an offseason or two. But I like his burst. I like his speed. And I like the kind of way that he approaches the game. He does not have a good toolbox, but I think that he could be a good project defensive end for Steve Spagnuolo. I actually have a lot of hope for him, at, uh, you know, in the run game. I and I think it starts because he gives great effort. I think mm-hmm. that's you know with him, I I felt really good about his effort level consistently. Um, I think he might have kicked inside a little bit when I saw him too. Um, and I I know I I thought he said a hard edge. Frankly, Craig, I actually I actually kind of like some of the oh, stuff okay. I saw from him in the run game. So. Um, Good effort. I thought he was pretty stout at the point of attack. Uh, and he fits all the criteria that you talked about. I think he tested better than I thought he would. I didn't think he was a particularly explosive player, but he actually wound up testing at a decent level at the NFL Combine. You could see his lateral agility a little bit on stunts. Like he, He's pretty good yeah. running off of stunts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think he was... I, th- I think he was tied for the second highest broad jump out of like the edge defensive end edge group at the combine. Like he was a guy when you watch him in drills, he had a good, he looked explosive in the combine. I haven't got a chance to throw on his film yet. So I was just going to say like, he fits all three of the Steve Spagnuolo cri- primary criteria. He fits the strength, the bench press criteria that Steve Spagnuolo likes. It's more of a preference, but he hits it as a physical mold. He very much fits what the Chiefs are after. So if you're like me and you kind of want to wait to see who fits and who doesn't, Jonathan Garvin is a guy you should get your eyes on because he's a guy that's most likely on their board just based on those physical attributes. And he's a little bit better of an athlete than a lot of the other guys they look at. So that just gives guys like Kent that really want that bend and explosiveness just a little (laughs) bit of hope that it's not all technique and power going on. I've given up on that hope. I'll just be real with you. All right, let's go with the day day three sleeper, and we're gonna go with Travis Gibson out of Tulsa, uh, and he's a he's a bigger dude. Uh, he's he definitely meets the criteria that Steve Spagnuolo covets. Um, I I think he's a day three guy. Like he's definitely a day three guy. But like you watch him, I watched him against Cincinnati, uh, and you know they're. It was kind of underwhelming a little bit, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like a guy that big should be better at the point of attack. Um, I think, you know, like when I watched him, I thought he he tried some things as a pass rusher, but I didn't think he had a plan. Like, he tried to hit a spin, but I, you know, it wasn't like he was really doing a good, good job setting it up, you know, and anything like that. Um, but watched him at the Senior Bowl. I thought, I thought it was a really good week for him. I thought he had a little bit more pop in his hands than I initially thought. I thought he held up a little bit better against the run than I saw. And I think he, you know, he, sh- he showed himself admirably uh, in one-on-ones uh, there at the Senior Bowl more than I thought he would. So I think there's a lot of reason, you know, I think there's there's a lot of intriguing traits and he's got the length, he's got the size. Um, he's, a, he's a nice little day three flyer. I mean, and he's still learning the the game he put on 60 pounds at Tulsa so that's a situation where he's bulking up to play a new position play it at a higher level so he's still pretty raw there but he is a little bit explosive for a guy that fits these spags criteria I the name may sound familiar to people from this area his brother 
is Thomas Gibson, who used to play at K-State. So he comes from a family of athletes, and he's familiar with the area. We talked to him at the Senior Bowl a little bit. He went to the Von Miller Pass Rush Academy and got to know Frank Clark and loves Frank Clark. So he's a guy that I think would love to come to Kansas City. If he, for some reason, made it out of the draft as a UDFA, I think the Chiefs would have a pretty good shot at landing him just because of you know the region and everything around it. And again, Gibson fits all the criteria that we're looking at defensive end. He has a good first step. I think everything he does right now is very reactive. He's still very raw. He's trying to learn the position, the nuance. He doesn't have great hand technique. I think that's part of why his hands don't seem to have a ton of power all the time, or he doesn't seem super strong, is he doesn't know where to place them, how to shoot them consistently. It's just he's all over the place. He kind of plays a little frenetic which is fun to watch, but you tame him down. You continue to teach him (laughs) what he's supposed to do. And there's a lot of upside there in this kind of role. That first long stride he takes in with his length, he gets into tackles real early. You can get him going. I think you could coach him up and get yourself a quality player. It's just going to take a little bit of time and investment. And I think the Chiefs have the coaching staff to do it. They have the time to do it. And more so, they're going to use him in the best way it's going to be for him. They're not going to put him out as a wide nine and tell him to go beat offensive tackles with technique and bend because that's not his game. I think it's a perfect fit for him and he fits perfectly what the Chiefs want to do. All right, that is going to do it for the position profile, the defensive end. Make sure to check out the AP Draft Show on Friday. We'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. We'll catch you later.